Welcome to Coffee and Tea with SNL. Everything you love about your favorite coffee shop, all wrapped up in a podcast. I'm Lisa, and I'm passionate about tea, travel, good food, and great conversations, and anything that makes me grow. I'm Sabine, and I create spaces that people enjoy. I'm also a wife, mother of two, a coffee lover, and enjoy a great scented candle. We're two great friends committed to living our best lives and seeing others live theirs. Welcome to Coffee and Tea. Hi, Sabine. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm well. I'm really excited about today's episode. Yes. Would you like to tell the listeners where we are? Yes, we are at Lucky Goat Cafe in the Art Museum area of Philadelphia. Well, we'll talk about that more, but we are here with the owner, um, Tony Ajayi Franco, and um, we're so excited to have you here. I can't wait to ask you all of the questions we have about all things coffee shop. This is actually our first coffee shop, which we were just saying our whole podcast is about, you know, a conversation you would have with your bestie at your favorite coffee shop. And for the first time, we're recording in a a coffee coffee shop. shop. So thank you for having us here. And thank you for being on our show. You are definitely very welcome. So many questions, so little time. I had driven past your coffee shop for such a long time. And I kept thinking, I've got to come in here. I've got to come in here. I was particularly intrigued by the name, the Lucky Goat. And as, as a Nigerian, there are just a lot of funny kind of expressions or like insults that people will be like, use foolish goat or whatever that, um, you know, <laughs> yes. that's kind of what it made me think of when I passed it. I thought, okay, that's kind of funny. And that just makes me think of, a you know, Nigerians kind of jokingly calling people goats. <laughs> and um, I think my dad was with me one of those times and he was like, yeah, that's a funny name. And when I finally came... Walked in, saw some Nigerian fabric, and was like beside myself. Before you get into deep, before you get I deep, told, I into, went right in. Yeah, she's already. I was like, already in. yeah, I was like, wait, <laughs> something is missing. That yeah. actually is a good description <laughs> yeah. of how she when she came into the coffee shop. That was the first thing. The fabric she drove right in. I but did. anyway, before That's, we yeah, before we jump in, let's we, take a few <laughs> steps back. <laughs> let's talk about what's in our cups. Yes. So would you like to start off? What is in your cup? Oh, yes. What are you drinking I have, today? I'm drinking Cotado and it's my, I wouldn't say favorite, it's just my drink. Oh, okay. It's as simple Love as it. that. What because is for it? me, a Cotado, mostly two shots of espresso with uh, it's an eight ounce serving drink okay coffee drink it's a um two shots of espresso i usually take almond milk with steamed almond milk and for me i don't like a lot of milk or non-dairy in my espresso in my coffee Coffee? drink because for me it just basically kills the idea of having a coffee drink really if i have oh. if i have uh, a 12 I'm ounce or 16 ounce because i want to taste the espresso, the espresso right and i and i also want to kind of sweeten in a little bit with just a touch of um either dairy or non-dairy steamed sweetener to it so for me an eight ounce uh espresso and steamed milk gives me that balance. I, I still have this strong espresso taste, but it's all a little bit sweetened with the 
just the right amount of milk. Okay. okay. I and love that's what's it. in my cup. All I right. Love that's it. awesome. So, Sabine, you started to say you're the opposite. You're like multiple kinds of cream. <laughs> She's like, there are three kinds of cream in here and sugar and honey. So, so I'm Haitian American <laughs> and our, our coffee is very strong. Mm-hmm. We put a little salt. But also very rich. And when I'm having specifically Haitian coffee, I put evaporated milk. Milk is So yes. you can just, it's like the opposite you're like, of not like, dairy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, um, uh, before funny. I talk about what's in my cup, what's in your cup, Lisa? Oh, um, I'm having Christmas in Cape Town, yes. which is a Lucky Goat creation. And feel free to correct me if I am wrong. It's rooibos. Yes. It's white, white chocolate. chocolate and raspberry syrup. Okay. Yes. So we have a lot going on, as yes. is my custom. But it's... Um, can you tell me about, did you, cre- do you create your drinks, by the way? I'm going on a I tangent. I created but- some of them. Okay. And uh, this particular one, uh, um, Christmas in Cape Town, I did create this. Okay. And uh, uh, some of my barista also creates some of the drinks. So okay. It's a, it's a combination of different talents and skills that create all our, all our drinks. And this one... Um, during Christmas, uh, we always try to do something just um, cozy and warm that gives you that feeling of Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I came up with this, we have um, we have a lot of drinks that takes uh, some inspiration from mostly Italy and uh, London, like okay. in London yeah. and teas. Britain, London, and I wanted to do something African. Love it. And I thought, well, we were actually toying with something that we could create, like similar to what you just described, using a condensed milk ah. and um, some cheese that will kind of give. Because in Nigeria, we drink a lot of condensed milk. We do actually. And I and I thought, I didn't know oh that. well, maybe I should. Because a lot of people here don't use condensed milk. So I thought, well, let me create something uh, that will still have that sweetness to it. So that we brought in uh, the uh, white chocolate and then the raspberry to also make it more yummy. And then still milk. And of course, rooibos is a South African tea, right? Tea. And I thought, well, South African, it's Christmas. So Christmas in Cape Town. Cape Town. And it's Christmas. <laughs> I mean, when I think white chocolate and raspberry, those are very Christmas right. flavors. flavors. Yeah. So, and then I have mine with almond milk. No, I didn't think I did oat milk. Oat, oat milk. Yes. yes. So thank you. It is yummy. Thank it's you. yumminess in a cup. So <laughs> thank you. And I have another Lucky Goat creation, and my specialty drink is called the Lucky Goat, and it's a latte. I feel like I'll need you to describe mine, too. The signature drink. (laughs) And it has nutmeg. No, it has cinnamon. It has cinnamon. It has hazelnut syrup. Mm. It has um, dark chocolate syrup oh and uh, so, so you good. when you pull the espresso you mix it with the uh dark chocolate and the hazelnut and then a little bit of syrup and then you mix it together you then put the steam milk on uh, on it and then on top you put dash of salt okay so oh. it's it is really, really good and good. i got a little latte art Yes, so it's very good. This salt, did you photograph it yeah. before you I did. started drinking? I, okay, I will put it on Instagram. <laughs> it really reminds me of, you know, when you get some dark uh, chocolate or dark chocolate 
with a sea little salt. bit of salty. Yes, yes, that's my favorite. That's really yes, what like we were trying to catch. Yes. Oh, so okay. Delicious. Do you guys do decaf? Oh, yes. We okay, do good, because I'll be trying the decaf <laughs> version of that next time <laughs> I'm here. Because I'm all about dark chocolate and salts, like sea salts. That's yeah. my favorite. That's the most detailed what's in your cup. That you've had that so far. <laughs> that we've all had. Uh, that's <laughs> so true. So um, now we can, now you can uh, jump into the question. Jump into yes. the question. Okay. So I had been passing this coffee shop for a while and was so intrigued by how cute it is. The curb appeal is incredible. And the name is The Lucky Goat, which to me conjured up funny thoughts of like Nigerian kind of joking insults of like calling someone a foolish goat <laughs> or something. And I saw the name and just cracked a stubborn up. Goat or or a stubborn like goat, you know, something like that. And I yeah. just thought, hmm, I wonder what the story is behind the name of this place. So Sabine and I finally came together for a work day, walked in and I saw the, you know, Adira fabric on the... And she stopped. And I was like... There has to be an African <laughs> or Nigerian connection. But yes. before we go down kind of that road, where did the name come from? I spend a lot of time with my kids. They are not actually kids now. They are young adults. <laughs> um, thinking of the name for the coffee shop. And we, we try, we're trying to bring a lot of who we are and the, the coffee history and culture and everything in Something that will cap a name that will capture everything. Okay. And of course, I thought of it good. And then the more I think about the history of call, uh, of coffee, I also know there's a goat involved in the history of coffee. And I thought, oh, that's perfect. Not does it only reflect um, my Nigerian culture? It also reflects the history of uh, coffee. And I don't know if you know the history. I, I was just going to say, please tell us. Yeah, what is the history that involves goats? Well, um, I don't know if it's a legend or if it's actually reality, but how the goat got involved with coffee. But I do know what's not legend or myth is the, is the fact that coffee, what we know, the modern version of how coffee became a beverage that we all drink can be traced to Ethiopia. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. And it's believed that the, the Ethiopian farmers themselves discover coffee through their goats. Okay. When they go, when they are out on the field with the goats, they, some of them started noticing that the goats will stop at the bush. They will eat the... Oh, the beans. The, the beans. Ah. And they will all... And they get hyper. Hyper oh. and happy and excited. Bouncing everywhere. And they, I guess, farmers were like, well, whatever it's doing to them, I want some. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, it's believed that the farmers then started um, trying the beans and they would just chew it and spit it out. Mm. And But then the Italians came in and I don't know... the. Italy has a long relationship with Ethiopia mm. in terms of uh, business trade, and yeah. trade. And of course, they found out about these beans from the Ethiopian the farmers they were trading with and they were like, what's this? Well, they too adopted it and when it got to Italy, then it became something you would grind mm. and sieve and just drink like an espresso right so it, first the development was as an espresso and then but then also based on my research i don't know how uh, true this is there was uh, a time in in italy or european history where there was a little 
there was some farming that uh, a lot of people were not completely going hungry, but they were beginning to really manage <laughs> how much more money they want, they want to spend on uh, food and all of that. And so the idea of putting milk in coffee oh. so that it becomes a breakfast. So you have some nutrient. Okay. You also have the caffeine that will keep you energized. Energized so you can afford to eat lunch or dinner. Oh, wow. So oh, they basically, that. <laughs> that's the whole okay. <laughs> history coffee. of Love it. coffee. But then the good for me, it's immediately like it ties into the Nigerian culture. Yes, of course. And then it also very plays a very important role in coffee. Right. But then the lucky side of it came when I thought, well, you know, there has to be the first goat that tried coffee. Oh, and then okay. and I and I decided what the goat is. The goat is lucky. That goat is lucky because it could have been a poisonous thing that the, he or true. she tried. But then he or she is lucky because it's not poisonous. So right. it's a lucky goat. And it's then he introduced yeah, like us the story. to, <laughs> and we're lucky because that goat somehow introduced us. <laughs> 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 yes, gave birth to the lucky goat. <laughs> yes, oh, that's great. So, I guess for our, can you tell us? I guess rewind a little bit and tell us a little bit about you and um, okay. your journey and how oh you. Oh my god, that's a long How did you, yes. the owner of the lucky goat? How did you end up here? Wow, that's a long story. <laughs> well, of course, I'm a Nigerian. I was born and raised in Nigeria. I met my husband, who's American, in Nigeria. He, oh. he was in Nigeria to do research after pre-graduate school research. And I was in college, and he was, in the co- he was part of the research he was doing was in the college I was attending, and we met. And then when he... We was done. We both came straight to Seattle, Washington, and and of course that's where I came across my first coffee. Culture. Like, that's a big coffee. Right. It was yeah, that's where the coffee. Yeah, show. yeah. A, uh, Starbucks was just starting okay. when we uh, to date myself a little bit <laughs> when we moved to Seattle. Okay. But it was also, Starbucks was just a one-shop thing there. Oh, wow. It was just downtown Seattle, but there were so many coffee um, shops. What we will now call coffee shops. Coffee mm-hmm. shops they were right. just kiosks then. Yeah. <laughs> just little, small shops. And and I don't know if you know, Seattle weather, it's raining and gray yes. most of the time. Yep. So people drink lots of coffee. Mm-hmm. And so my husband was in school cool and be, you know we wake up the first thing we do is drink coffee which for me was a, a new tea as a nigerian i grew up with tea, tea yeah. because of the british influence. influence of course and so for me i was like coffee okay it's <laughs> disgusting it doesn't it's taste bitter. well <laughs> it's bitter but you know what if he's doing it i'll sure. do it <laughs> I can me up, so. <laughs> and so that's how and slowly i discover i actually like it and and then it's everywhere uh, i drink drink it all day and then Starbucks came along and then the coffee shop what the modern day American coffee mm-hmm. culture kind mm-hmm. of image with Starbucks yes and for me I love that culture because part of who I am my degree is in theater arts 
Oh. And um, then my other degree, my graduate degree is in nonprofit. Okay. And so for me, the, the coffee culture that Starbucks kind of created, and I'm using my fingers to say quote and unquote, <laughs> it's, um, it's really a culture that speaks a lot to me. It's a culture of allow, creating spaces yes. for the community to come together and bring arts, a sense of drama yep. and creativity and arts into that space. And also making it kind of a, a community gathering place. You, you don't have to know anybody. You don't have to have lots of money. Mm-hmm. Then probably $2 or $1.50, you walk in, you can buy a cup of coffee, you can sit down, meet if you feel like talking, you can meet yeah. people. And if you don't, you can sit down, read a book, right. or, uh, walk. I don't think laptop was a thing then. You can walk and you can hang out. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I really love that. And then eventually I, I actually end up uh, doing my internship with Starbucks Foundation, ah. which is inside the Starbucks um, corporate office. And I learn more about really what Starbucks, in terms of its role in the community, what it, what it was doing then. And that even makes me feel like, yes, this is really a wonderful business model. And um and I loved it. And then, of course, eventually, I left my internship, moved move on with my life. Mm-hmm. And then we came to see, uh, Philadelphia. And um, we actually, when I say we, my family, my husband and I, and, I ch- and our children, we own the property that Lucky Goat is in now. Okay. And so when we bought it, we, we look at it, we were like, oh, my God, it's a perfect space for a coffee shop mm. because... It's just it's just in a corner, yep. and it really connects yeah. several communities. Yes, for us, it, it, the community has changed a lot, mm-hmm. but it's at the edge of several communities. Yes. and um, and I ju- we just thought it's perfect. And when my youngest went to college, I thought, okay, now this is the time to do it. And we came out with Lucky Goat, and six years ago, and. That's amazing. So Lucky Goat has been here for six years? Yes. Okay. And you can really feel that. Um, that was one of the things that you'd mentioned when we came in this backspace that we're in is the the artwork. Yes. Yeah, so you spoke to a couple of different things, just the your background in theater. Yes. And also just what makes coffee shops special. And that's what, what makes me gravitate towards them is that whole sense of community uh, and it being like a cheap easy way to bring yes. people together <laughs> yes. but in your space you have posters of a lot of african artists so that was the other the second thing where i was like if she is not <laughs> african i'm i just i don't even know what, what i'm going what, to do because i'm like explain this exactly because i'm like i'm seeing the fabric i'm seeing lagwaja on the wall i see like you know what's going on and here? there's nobody african in this space she's like Wait. i was like so what's who going owns on this what's place? going on yeah so i had to ask i was like so excuse me does the owner have is there some you know where's she from you know or where are they from and when they said nigerian i was like okay this all makes sense but um but yeah so this space actually supports what you're talking about it shows appreciation yes, it for art and it's this warm communal place to to gather yeah um yeah so basically lucky good now it brings together everything my husband and i that we love okay it's arts it's community and it's um design mm-hmm. and great spaces and because my husband and I we have a real estate 
business. Okay. And so we are we do a little bit of, you know, architecture and design and and then he You're speaking my language. <laughs> I'm an interior designer. <laughs> oh, so yes, you're speaking my language. And um he's also a musician. Okay. And uh, in Seattle, we've done a lot of work with bringing African artists uh, into the Northwest. And some. some of the big names now, African artists, um, we were able to bring them, like basically introduce them to the Northwest and sometimes to um, the U.S. And That's awesome. Through a nonprofit we created called Rakumi Arts. And um, so when we came to Philadelphia, we wanted to find a way to continue that. But but now our kids are a little bit grown and they need more of our time and our jobs. So we thought, well, we can find a way to do it all with Lucky Goat. And so when we started Lucky Goat Coffee House, we also created um, Lucky Goat Presents. Yes. And with uh, with the Lucky Go Presents, we bring um, um, touring African uh, groups mm-hmm. to perform in two specific places. One is at Abington Arts Center in Abington, and the other oh, one that's why I see that here on the poster. Okay. Yes, and the other place is Johnny Brenda's. So we okay. so those are the two places we they either perform at Johnny Brenda's or we do a free outdoor summer series at Abington. It's uh, five five weeks of free outdoor one one a week on every Thursday. Okay, June July. So that's awesome. So that that helps us to continue that passion of uh, being involved with the arts. And I love how, like, everything kind of came together. Your love for coffee, bringing the community together, your husband being a musician, you loving architecture and space and real estate that really encompasses everything. Yeah, yeah, so for us, Lucky Girl was able to do that for us. Yeah, so we love it. So I often hear, I think it was Mark Cuban, I often hear people say, work on your business and not in your business. And so I'd like to ask with, when I think of coffee shop and a coffee shop business, I think there's so many different components. Yes. <laughs> Having a brick mortar and you're open every day. Yes. Like how do you, I guess, delegate and um, I guess come up with your role and a team? Like how does, can you explain how that to get the business working like a well-oiled machine, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, my role has uh, changed. For me, uh, when just the, the first phases of thinking about it and learning how do you open and, and run bread and mm-hmm. run a coffee shop yep. i was wearing all the ads i was doing the you were the barista you were it the, before then i was like the space uh, planning the space planning. designing Designer. it uh, understanding permit process and zoning process all right. of those kind That's a of lot. work and then once I, I knew all the legal work I have to do to actually have the physical place exist legally, <laughs> then I have to move on to like what's you know what's a coffee shop besides the the fantasy, mm. <laughs> the real things of when you open what do you have to have you know coffee machine cups right <laughs> chairs for people to sit on <laughs> <and> tables <laughs> and 
all of those things. And so I, oh, then from there into like, where do you get your coffee? What make, how do right. you decide what company you want to go with? And Finding a roaster. Right? Yeah, yeah, and all of that. And then moving on to like, okay, um, I, I before I hire somebody, I need to know... What, what a barista is and what they do. Right. <laughs> so I went to a quick uh, school. School, okay. <laughs> okay. Of uh, barista, yep. if you want to call it. Which, but then it, uh, I was lucky the school took me back to like, where do the coffee comes from? The mm-hmm. farmers, the roasting and the machines. Right. And them being a good barista. Yeah. So then I thought, oh, okay, great. You know, it's like, being a doctor, you you practice on dead bodies, and then one day you have your right. real life body <laughs> right. in front of you. So, so then we open. I'm like, okay, now we have to do it. But I was I was very lucky. We the first set of baristas we hire were really amazing, mm. and um, so I learned from them too. Like on on the job, on the job. <laughs> it's it's one thing to learn about it in some bodies' uh, classroom, right? It's my shop, and yeah, so I was here every day from opening to closing, understand everything and learn as we as I go, and also um, while also trying to hold on to why we're here in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's not just and not being lost in the daily daily uh, grind, right? Yeah, pun intended, right? Instead <laughs> <laughs> of uh, running a coffee shop, also being aware of the community we are in and um, all the politics and challenges mm-hmm. and uh, understanding what the community's needs are. Just because I think I should be here right, doesn't mean the community thinks I should be here. <laughs> so yeah. trying to manage all of that and manage expectations. And yeah, so and then over the years, once I feel comfortable about who we are, what what role we are playing in the community, then then start focusing on delegation. Then how can I just uh, pull back a little bit and then start looking at the bigger picture? Right. Because for a long time I was like, you're in it, yeah, in it. So yeah, so my role now, I've now shifted from being there, you know with my eyes and ears and hands and feet there every day, 24 hours. Now it's shifted to then really doing the human resources out of it. How mm. do you identify the right staff to take on what responsibilities? How do you create a team and then manage the team and then 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 start looking at what's the next step for lucky good that's where i'm right now so the transition you just described was it something that you had planned in the sense of okay so we're going to start and i'll be this involved or was it something that evolved as you it evolved as i as i went i i my husband and i would grow up in uh, in families that run businesses okay so i kind of came just a, a general idea of what it's involved when you starting a business mm-hmm. and, and I did I do have a degree in, in business but focusing on non-profit okay uh, business so I kind of came knowing that um, I have some stuff I can rely on but I also 
did not kid myself that this is food business. This is um, a new business I have never been part of. And it has a lot of different components yeah. because it's basically bringing the, the non-profit uh, sensibilities and the profit <laughs> sensibilities of a business together. together. And, re- and I, so I know that um, I have to be learning on the job and I have to be there 24 hours. Otherwise, something will fall off. And right. I, w- I wouldn't know where to pick it up. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I came into that knowing that. So, What are some of the biggest lessons that you have learned? Because when I think of, like, the food industry, I know, and I know a coffee shop is maybe slightly different than a restaurant, for example. What do you feel like are the maybe some of the biggest lessons that you learned from, I guess, the six years of oh having a coffee I've, shop. Oh, my God, I've learned so much. and uh, Or maybe some that you wouldn't like to repeat. <laughs> <laughs> no, m- most of them I'm happy to talk about. Okay. Um, and I, because I think I've learned a lot about the food business, community, relationships, and uh, human resources. Mm-hmm. Be- because for me, I, as a consumer... There's so many things I, I, I was not even in my consciousness. Mm-hmm. But as a person who operates a food business, what I've what I've come to learn and appreciate and really understand very well is uh, the the government role in safe guiding all our lives because in food business there mm-hmm. are health department involved and there are rules and regulations on how you operate right. your food business as a consumer you're not aware of it you walk into a place you sit down you eat yeah that's true and but the things that guides them from from the moment even before we, uh, we open to customers there are things we have to do to get to safeguard that you the food we're bringing in, it's safe. Mm. It's uh, it's not going to do damage to anybody. And then to check on that, check on everything in, in at the place, make sure it's clean and hygienic and healthy before we open the door. Right. And from even when we open the door, we're constantly watching before we serve you cream cheese. We have to make sure you know. Even if it says it's expiring. Tomorrow, it doesn't mean we have to serve it to you. We still have to look with our smell, eyes, and (laughs) make sure it's okay and be be conscious of who's allergic to what and how long do you keep the cream cheese on on your serving counter before it has to be tossed or replaced and things like that, that. you know, as a consumer, you you know, aware of that. No, right. you just order a bag, which your bagels and cream cheese selections <laughs> so, are amazing. But so, no, as a consumer, you're yeah, right. You just you're, place your watching order temperatures, and you sit down. making right. sure temperature. You know, there's a lot behind the there's scenes. There's a lot. Yes, that for me, that's one uh, wonderful thing I've learned, and okay. um, and it makes me grateful that we have government with eyes and ears watching mm. out for all of us because right. now when i hear about regulations and people are saying you know uh, especially big businesses yes. that wants to do away with regulations and i can also as a business i understand the temptation because those well those regulations cost money they right do. because if i have to keep things according to regulations sometimes i it, I have to spend money 
mm-hmm. to ensure I stay within re- regulation. Sometimes it costs me money, whether I toss things out, whether I, I refuse to buy from a cheaper uh, supplier, supplier if they're not going to follow the regulations that will protect me and protect my customer, I'm not going to buy from them. I'm going to buy from somebody else who will um, ensure all of that. So, so I can understand big business, if they want to cut, cut cost, of course, they will look to reg- sometimes look to regulations to say this is too much right but for me i I would say comfortably that for my level of uh, operations i love regulations (laughs) (laughs) wow that's a good thing though no i do because i uh, i also because i am also a consumer Right. And I'm not do I'm not the business owner everywhere I go. So when I walk into a restaurant or into a cafe or something like that, I'm, I feel a little bit more comfortable that most most people are obeying the regulations, the regulations and doing yeah. things according to what they they're supposed to do. And I know the inspectors are also out there. They they come and announce and they check to make sure you're doing the right thing. Yeah. So for me, that's why I love it. I have children. I want to make sure if they go out to eat, yeah. they're going to be safe. And that kind of gives me that um, good feeling about um, at least living in a country that still do that. Right. <laughs> it protects all of us that way. Yeah. So that's one of the big things I learned. And then in terms of um, being involved in the community, I've all, I mean, all my all my working life i've always worked on with organizations and businesses that have that aspect of it but for me it's actually um being able to combine you know, with uh, a for-profit business this is the first time and learning how to manage all of that it's uh, it's a great experience for me can you speak a little bit to the relationship with lucky goat and the community um also before we got here we uh, Sabine had called it Brewery Town. And I was like, no, I feel like this is art museum <laughs> Fairmount. Brewery Town is a little bit further to my defense, to the north. I feel like and I saw it somewhere. <laughs> but Brewery Town would be appropriate. It would be, it, right now, everybody calls, calls it, it Brewery Town. Brewery Town. Coffee shop in Brewery Town. Yes, but when we first opened, this is considered Fairmont right. District. Oh, art museum area. Because I literally right. lived a block away. So I lived at 2610 Poplar, yes. or tw- what it, corner of 26th and Poplar, whatever the address is now. And I remember thinking, no, I lived in art museum or Fairmount. It was yes. not Brewery Town. But yes, so. Well, when we first opened, as I said, it was considered the art museum yep. area. Right. Some people would stretch it to incorporate Fairmont. Okay. Because, as I said, we were sitting right at the edge of yes. three different neighborhoods. Neighborhoods. We are at the edge of Seattle Art Museum area. We are also at the edge of Francisville, mm-hmm. which is also a new neighborhood. Yeah, right. I was like, what? <laughs> but it's an old, I think all, a lot of these names are old names They're that are old. bringing back because Francisville was the, the name. Like, they're coming really? I've yeah, never heard Town is the old name as well that's coming back. Coming back. And then for me, I didn't even know. That I just know there's a neighborhood. If I cross the street, I'm at the beginning of (laughs) Of a new neighborhood. Philadelphia is the city. And and for me, it was just Girard neighborhood. Right. I didn't even know it as Brewery Town. But then when we first opened, there was no food traffic in this street. Mm -hmm. It was dead, basically. Because people consider if you cross the street, 
it's not safe right. for some reason. So people don't even come here. And uh, but then slowly, and when we first opened, our customer base has changed completely. In the six years. In the six years. Because when we first opened, uh, there was a, uh, a lot of... Our community then were mostly low-income, working-class community. Way on the other side yeah. of the street. Mm-hmm. And on the side yes. that we, we are in, it's mostly middle-class, yes. uh, working-class family. Mm-hmm. And... St- Francisville was a mixture of everything. (laughs) So when we first opened, people were really excited to be here because we then we were considered the first coffee house that actually created the atmosphere where people can come and gather and and talk politics and it's safe, whether you're Republican or Democrat, there was not this craziness going on now. Then people can come and, and... and we have college professors and students and everybody coming here to talk politics. Mm. And then slowly, the neighborhood changed. Then we started seeing people walk around with their dogs and strollers. We're like, wow, that's new. <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah, that's new. <laughs> and then slowly, it's, it's a, a great thing, bag, but for it? us, it's some kind of, it's a mixture. Then real estate agents started advertising homes for sale in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and then they started using us they will say oh it's two blocks from lucky good oh, oh it's five blocks from lucky good oh. and then all of a sudden the name of our neighborhood also changed now we for a long time we were just fairmont mm-hmm. people will say fairmont neighborhood five blocks from lucky good right and they will bring their customer or client here to have coffee here while they discuss purchase or rent or whatever and then slowly brewery time came on its own Mm -hmm. and then real estate agents also started claiming us as part of brewery town and then they were advertised you know a home for (laughs) sale and brewery town 10 blocks from lucky Lucky, wow okay okay (laughs) we belong to everybody (laughs) i guess that's good advertising yeah (laughs) so yeah all right interesting it's amazing, I think, that, uh, I mean, I didn't even know about it until customers started coming and showing me, you know, the pam- um, flyers from real estate real agents. Estate agents. Like, Five what? from Lucky Goats. <laughs> so, That's funny. Yeah. I'm curious to find out what you would attest your biggest success to. Like, do you feel like it's your staff? Do you feel like it's the location? Like the success that you've had so far in the last six years, one, which is commendable because not that many coffee shops are able to stay open for six years. So that's success within itself. What do you feel like you would attest that to? The staff that you've been able to hire um, and their talent, the location of your shop, your business model, like what do you feel like you would attest that to? I think it's all of the above. Mm-hmm. I think um, when um, we opened, we, um, I, I will claim that, I really set a tone of welcome mm-hmm. to anybody and everybody. Even if you all you have is a dollar. <laughs> we can always find something to sell for you That's because awesome. I I was conscious of the neighborhood I'm coming into, and I wanted to make everybody feel like 
this is their coffee house, no matter who you are. Mm. And so with with the staff, so I when I was interviewing for my first set up to today, I still do that. I make sure I bring in baristas who have a combination of things that I think will will work for what I was trying to well, what I'm trying to achieve. It's um, well-educated, smart people with a diverse background mm. who uh, understand first uh, what it means to be a good barrister, which also involves being able to be able to talk to, talk to and accommodate and provide good service to anybody that walks into the, into the shop. So by, and then creating um, a space that, the, the, the space has evolved a little bit. But when we first open, we make sure the, the counter, it's very basic there. It's just plywood. And the, uh, and the, the equipment was really, really good. And we make sure the baristas, the equipment we're using, the... The coffee beans company, the roasting company we're working with are very good. Our, our food suppliers from our bagels, which is from a third generation family owned bagel company, to a French uh, pastry chef. Oh, wow. So we make sure all our products are at the top of any coffee shop in the world. But our prices do not reflect that mm. when we open. I've prices reflected the neighborhood we were in mm. so that they could come in for a dollar and get amazing coffee amazing pastry or mm. bagel and a wonderful barista that will attend to them and i think that's really a success story because when a customer started coming they didn't know what to expect they and people came for, sometimes I have to pinch myself because sometimes I forget that. And sometimes when I'm talking, then I remember because when we first opened, a lot of people walk into the shop for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Some people walk in here because they they had, oh, it's, it's owned by black African woman and they want to come and see. Mm. <laughs> Some people came in, they know my husband is Jewish, I have it's a group of Jewish women that will come in and they don't even drink coffee, but they come in anyway <laughs> because they are like, you're one of us. Right. <laughs> you're one support of us. the family business. <laughs> and, and I have, uh, you know, people in the neighborhood that own properties here who mm-hmm. are like, we want, you know, we want to stabilize uh, the value of our properties and they, they will come in. And, and I have, like, later on I find out that I have some customers who happens to be French or Danish but they are now Americans and they will come in and they say oh my god we love your pastries it's you know it's like being in Europe I'm like good yeah I have a exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody came in for different reasons mm. and then of course so slowly the community kind of created itself and the first two or three years was really, even I spent 24 hours a week, either here or at home, um, making sure things move uh, smoothly. But the energy was so wonderful because we felt really welcome by everybody. 
<laughs> I felt like this is hard work, but it's worth it. But it's worth right. it. And so even though it wasn't really making money when we first opened, because as I said, we set that price mm-hmm. and um, a very comfortable place for everybody. And um, it, it was good. It was very good. And um, and then I think the unfortunate thing is, you know, the neighborhood changed, people moved for various reasons and so now i have a kind of a a new community to work with develop new relationship and just stay focused on who we are what we're trying to achieve and we still have the same excited community that comes in every day and of course i've prices have changed slightly we still if you look at our uh, what we charge is still just a little bit below what you would pay in Center City or somewhere, but we, we're still trying to stay to who we are. So I'll say when it comes to what, what makes us successful, I think it's everything. I think it's the community. It's the amazing barista that I, that for some luck, I still keep finding these amazing young men and women who most of them are in college and um, um, and and most of them are artists. And so they understand what who we are, what we're about, and they carry on the dream whether I'm here or not. I have that confidence that I don't have to be here. That's important. They will, because when I say creating a team, it's um, also making them understand their role in the business and what they bring in and make sure they themselves have fun being here. You can't make somebody who's miserable project fun. Right, right. (laughs) Yes, that's not going to work. work. And then they're not going to reflect the lucky goat. They're not going to reflect that. So they, as I said, they are are from the first barista, from the first set of barista to the current one we have, they've all contributed who they are and what they bring into Lucky Girl. As I said, some of, uh, some of our drinks I create, but the majority of them, each barista leave a drink behind. They create oh, something. And uh, like our Lucky Girl uh, signature drink, it's created by actually the first barista. Oh, oh that's so, good. That's special. Yeah, so it's very that. special. So when he came up with that, we were like, okay, that's our signature drink. Oh, that will become that. the Lucky Girl. And it's good. delicious. It's delicious. It's still the most popular drink uh, we make. Uh, and yeah, so it's everything that makes Lucky Go what it is. So, well, I know you have so much more success. Oh, so. thank you. If someone wants to open a coffee shop, what would your advice be to them? Whew. And is it possible to have too many coffee shops, right? Because there's so many, there are chains, there's so Starbucks many taking over the and, world. And um, I believe my my advice is know who you are and what you want. Okay. And try it doesn't have to be what everybody's vision is. If your vision is to make money, then you should focus on that. <laughs> if your vision is um the community and um other stuff that makes you happy, you should focus on that. And um some coffee shop they focusing on just being the best they can be in terms of the drinks they serve and they they really master you know <laughs> different ways of making coffee drinks and serving it and that's that's good so i think in any business it's just first knowing why am i in this business and then doing your your homework 
<laughs> you know, what it is, what business are you going into? And how do I stay open? Because no matter how wonderful and nice and perfect products and all of that, if you can break even at the end of the day, then... That's not a business. That's not a business. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hobby. It's a something. So your passion is great, but yeah. also be a smart business person. You have to make money at the end of the day. Yeah. So. Very wise advice. Yes. Huh? Very well said. Thank you so much Thank for taking you. the time and for hosting us and giving us delicious drinks. Oh. You're welcome. We're definitely part of the Lucky Goat family. Yes, we for are. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. I am officially now a big fan of Lucky Goat Coffee House. I just love the decor, the vibe of the coffee shop, the creative coffee and tea drinks and the delicious baked goods i mean she has probably i still remember the bagel like i'm my i'm like drooling over the bagel and cream cheese but so i just i I really love i'm a big fan of lucky goat coffee house indeed loved our drinks and I, i think one of the things i really like about her story is the reminder that all of our diverse interests or the different things that make us who we are, they really can come together in a great business or in a great product. Because I think often we forget that and we can think, I love coffee, I love theater, I love Nigeria, I love community. How can those things all come together? And she's a great example of bringing all of those aspects of the places she's lived, the things she studied, the things she values into an incredible business. So if you want to check out Lucky Goat Coffee House, you can find them online at luckygoatcoffeehouse.com or on Instagram at luckygoatbilly. But check them out. Great place. Yummy drinks, yummy food. Great atmosphere. So Sabine, it is a kudos time. Who would you take out for a drink? So I have a special kudos this week. This week, I would take out Becca and Kalia. Mm-hmm. who have recently joined our team, um, our production team, and they have been such a great addition to our team. And I am so grateful for them. And I would take them out for a beverage of their choice. I feel like they would be coffee drinkers, but I probably should know that. But I would take them for out for um, a beverage of their choice. So thank you, ladies, for everything that you do. Indeed. Thank you. And I think because this is actually the last episode of this season, this actually just warrants a massive group kudos, outing, what have you. Our biggest. I know, right? So <laughs> definitely ditto Becca and Kalia. And also I think all of you, right? Like anyone who's played a part in this podcast being a reality, anyone who has edited or given us an idea or who has listened or who has shared it, who's reviewed, like literally any part you have played in having this podcast be a podcast. We, I want to take you out to say thank you for being with us on this incredible ride. So thank you for sticking with us, continue to stick with us. And um, without all of you, this would not exist. 
So thank you. It really wouldn't, yes, without the support of everyone. So with that said, we hope that you'll continue to join us for Coffee and Tea as we roll out a new season with more interviews with amazing, talented women. And if you enjoy our podcast, the best way to support us is to subscribe, write a review, and rate us five stars. So thank you all. Yes, five stars, nothing less. <laughs> so we are so grateful. Um, until next time, bye. Love you, bye-bye. <laughs>